It was a terrifying night. We almost lost our lives. But now the storm has been calm. And as we step foot onto dry ground, all I can think about is thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And we came upon this dark, creepy, eerie place. This place was desolate. It was empty. It was scary. All you could see was some burial caves and some tombstones. It was completely silent. And then there was a scream. Why are you interfering with me, the son of the most high God? This scary, naked, demon-possessed man named Legion comes out of the burial tombs. And he brought fear to all. He was a scary man. No one came near this region. No one wanted to be in this region because this is where he lived. This is where he hid. He hid out. He couldn't be bound by shackles and chains. He broke them. He was uncontrollable. No one can subdue him. The interesting thing, this man named Legion who had legions of demons inside of him knew who Jesus was. He said, Lord, don't torture me. I beg you, let me stay in this place. We don't want to be shifted to a distant area. So Jesus said, come out. And a legion of demons come out and they go on to a herd of pigs. And Jesus kept his word. And the herd of pigs went off a cliff into the ocean and all the demons died with them. Now there was a herdsman and his people and they were afraid and they ran into town to tell all that had happened and all that Jesus did. And then the town came to see as we do because we're a bunch of looky-loos. What just occurred on the 101? They come in and out of the towns and here's the thing. They are afraid because now this demon-possessed man that was naked living in the tombs is now dressed and clothed and he has been healed spiritually. And they're like, Jesus... We don't want you. What you did is too much for our little town. Please go. Please go. This is too much. And so Jesus got back into the boat. Back into the water. That night before he calmed the seas and all the apostles were scared. He gets back into the water and this man comes to him. Fully clothed. Fully sane. Healed by Jesus spiritually says, can I go with you? And Jesus says, no. I need you to stay and tell your family and tell your friends of what Jesus Christ has done in your life. Stay. And so the Bible says that he went into this place called the Decapolis or the Ten Towns and he started speaking his testimony and everybody said that they were amazed about who this man was and how he came out of nowhere, out of the grave. We just sang a song, out of the grave we have life. A man named Harry Emerson Fosdick says, fear in prison, faith liberates. 
Fear paralyzes, faith empowers. Fear disheartens, faith encourages. Fear sickens, faith heals. Fear makes useless while faith makes serviceable. And my buddy Jeremy Kays quoted this this week. He said, fear leads us to darkness, but faith leads us to light. So let's turn the lights back on. I'm grateful that you guys are here today. Today we're going to continue on our series called I Don't Get It. We're going through a bunch of things that we don't get. We have a bunch of questions. New believers or people that have been in church for 15 or 20 years, we have questions. I don't know about you, but I've got a list, not in this Bible, in the one of my Bibles. I've got a list. And every so often I cross one off because I think i got enough information. Or I finally matured a little bit. Or I've had a couple people down here or around that have spoken some words into me, and I get it. But we need to understand there's a lot of questions out there that we don't get. And last week, I don't know if you guys were here, if you weren't, you should listen. I read a letter about my daughter. I got a picture of her. Uh, my daughter's heart is in Mexico. Her name's Alyssa Vittoria. She wasn't here. But this is my daughter that wrote me a letter last week, and it was a gut-wrenching letter. But at the end, Jesus was glorified. And if you didn't hear it, you should at least go to the end of the message and hear the letter. Because it's, it's not my highest glorious moment, but it's hers. And at the end, here's what I heard all week. I had at least seven, eight kids under 20 that came and they were shocked and they were, their hearts were turned because they had similar feelings about a parent. And there were some adults that had some similar feelings about their kids. And it impacted us and we decided to do one more week. I don't get healing. What's the deal with healing? What do we have in this world that can heal us through Jesus? And we need to decipher physical healing versus spiritual healing. So today we're going to talk about I don't get healing. Listen, we are doing this series so that you have fodder or food to go into the world to live a better life for Christ. To give you some information and a deeper understanding, a revelation from God so that you can be strengthened as you walk out of here. Jesus, in our memory verse, Psalm 119, the longest psalm in the Bible, 176 verses, in the middle of this psalm, tells us about who we are. Your hands made me and formed me and give me understanding to learn his commands, his will, his purpose, his heart for us in this world. Even if you don't get it, he gives us the ability to understand it and achieve it and, and, and grow in it. I had a lot of questions when I was first born in Christ. And today, I still have some. But they're getting less and less. Either I'm getting smarter or I'm getting dumber. I don't know which one it is. Probably dumber. That's what my girls would say. But here's the point. God wants us to heal. And over the last seven weeks, we've talked about a bunch of stuff. So if you're able to stand, let's talk. Uh, we're going to read from 1 Peter. It's at the very end of your Bible. It's not the, the last verses, but 1 Peter chapter 2. But here's some of the things if you forgot what we went through. We, the first week, Jeremy came up here and said, I don't get God. And he gave us seven or six principles of who God is, the characteristics of God and how he works. And then the following week, we talked about suffering. People in this world suffer. 
And in return, God glorifies a lot of people through that suffering. Then we talked about the church and what's the purpose of the church. It's just to give money and make sure the pastor has a bunch of coffee funds, right? That wasn't very funny, was it? No, that's not the purpose of the church at all. That's ridiculous. This church and the church shouldn't be about money. It should be about connecting the people to Christ. And the outflow of that is worshiping Jesus. And if that means giving a little bit to his cause, then you're going to do that. And then we talked about discipleship, something I'm passionate about, growing closer to Christ. I don't get discipleship. Where is it in the Bible? We find out it isn't in the Bible, but it's something that God wants us to do. And so we talked about discipleship. And then Jeremy came up and talked about the Old Testament. And how does it really work into the New Testament, into my faith? And then we talked about sin. And last week we talked about prayer. And I guarantee you there was more Dodger fans praying in the ninth inning last night. I'm sure something happened. First time you prayed in a while like that, isn't it, Randy? <laughs> My buddy Stan's got his Dodger something on. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> so as we come to 2 Peter, we start to see something about healing. And I want to open up this conversation today and say, God wants to do some healing today. And we're not one of those crazy charismatic churches. We're just crazy. <laughs> we're crazy for Jesus. So we're going to read a powerful verse, and in this verse, if you know the verse, or in this chapter, this is the chapter that says Jesus is the cornerstone, he's the living stone, and we are his holy people, and in the middle of it, it says that we need to get off of mother's milk and into the meat of God, and A.W. And, and Tozer says, what we think is meat as humans, it's not really meat, it's different, and so that's what we're going to talk, so First Peter chapter 2, for God called you to do good things. To do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow the, his steps. He never sinned nor deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted nor threaten uh, revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judged fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, we are healed. Once we were like sheep who wandered away, but now we have turned to the shepherd, the guardian of our souls. The Lord wants to heal, and we need to understand spiritually, physically, or both, or not at all, I guess. So let's pray. I don't know if you guys know, if you're new here, we have a church that's trying to pray corporately. This is team salvation. This team is trying to pray for people to grow in their salvation. New believers, and also as we grow in Christ, our salvation experience grows. This is Team Revelation. Since January 1st, we've been praying in the center that God would speak directly to our heart and that we would hear from him and not some knucklehead pastor because we're flawed. But God is good, and he could speak even through somebody like me. I promise. It's not my skill. That's his. It's called the Holy Spirit. And I switched over here. I used to sit over here. Now I sit in my team. This is Team Transformation. And I celebrate. I celebrate transformation because he can make a guy with legions of demons inside him and set him free. And then put him on the pulpit to preach the gospel. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you. Lord, we exalt you. We lift you up. And we cry out, Jesus. 
Lord, I pray that the hearts were touched and that they were even hurt last week will hear your voice. That there will be a great awakening from the heart of brokenness. That you will mend and bring healing. That you will bring a physical healing today if that's your will. But Lord, we know that you want to spiritually heal all of us. Connect us to the Father right now, Lord. Bring us a revelation, a direct word from his heart to our heart. So that we are forever changed. That this will be a marker in our life of God moving. Father, we love you and we claim you above all things. And God said, or people said, amen. God said, sit down. <laughs> that wasn't very nice, by the way. So if you got any complaints of how the church is run, Jeremy at journeythechurch.org. We usually, he's the smartest one. He handles all of our complaints. I'm grateful for him. You know, healing's interesting. Most of us say we want to be healed, but do we really? Do we really know what healing feels like? I don't know if we really get healing, especially in the spiritual side. What does it feel like? What does it look like? What do I do after it? How do I live? How do I make sure I don't go back? That's what we're talking about. James Augie says this, Christ is the good physician. There is no disease he can't heal, no sin he can't remove, no trouble he cannot help. He is the balm of Gilead. He is the great physician who has never yet failed to heal the spiritual maladies of every soul that come unto him in faith and prayer. He is the bomb of Gilead. This is this, this plant in the Middle East, and they still use it today, and it's like the Neosporin of the Middle East. I did a series once that Jesus is Neosporin. He's the greatest ointment of all time. That was a long time ago. A lot of people left after that, by the way, but uh, we recovered. This bomb of Gilead then, a couple hundred years ago, started coming out into some of the churches that Jesus is the bomb. The great miracle healing out of the Middle East. This ointment, this, this resin. It says that he is a good physician. He's a great physician who never fails to heal. Really? I really don't get it. The Bible says, ask. Last week we talked about, ask and I shall receive or ask and I should get. I want to be healed. I've got some ailments. I want to be healed. How come it doesn't happen? The Bible says, if I just have faith, I can move the Conejo grade because I never go up the grade. Never moves. It says, if I have just a little bit of faith, I can move mountains. Or many churches, many pastors, like, you're just not healed because you don't have enough faith. Really? There's a lot of faithful people in church. A lot of faithful people. Hopefully all of us, but there's a lot. Just a little bit? And I'll be healed? That's insulting. You're telling me I don't have faith? Because, and because of that I'm not healed? That's bad theology. But that's what we teach. That's what we talk about. And that's a good cop out. Oh, brother, I'm going to pray for you, Roger. But it's your faith, bro. It's not me. That's how we understand healing. And I don't know if we really get it. 
We don't see much healing today in this world. But here's what Jesus says in, in the second verse that we read. He says, he has never sinned and he doesn't deceive people. He's not a deceiver. Really? Are you deceiving me in this verse? You've never sinned, but you're telling me if I just ask, I can have? And if I just have faith, I can move mountains? And I've asked, and we've had people come up and pray, and I'm still sick. I still have this ailment. I still have this arm issue. I still have these things. I'm not healed at all. He says he didn't retaliate when he was insulted, nor threatened, or revenge when he suffered. We're suffering, Lord. But he didn't threaten. This is the steps that he did. He said in, in, he left this case in the hands of God. Today I want you just to open up your hearts to the hands of God. Because the Bible says he judges fairly. I don't know if I like the word fairly. It's not enough for me sometimes. It needs to be more. He judges for me, not fairly. But that's not what it says. That's my heart. He judges fairly. So today we just need to open up our hearts. He's never sinned and he's not a deceiver. And he says, put the case before him. So today we're going to put the case. We don't understand healing. You know, physical healings are rare. Do you guys realize how rare physical healings are? Physical healings are rare. Jesus healed many people. But in the Bible, even physical healings are rare. Let me give you some number things for those that are number guys. Burton, I know this could get to you. So listen up. Here's the numbers. Let's say just on a bat, on a whim, Jesus healed 5,000 people while he was here. Three years, 5,000. That might be too low. We probably can only see maybe 100 in the Bible, maybe not even that. But it says in some of the verses, everybody that came to him, he healed. So let's just make an easy number, 5,000. Just for, for giggles. He maybe did 20,000. I don't know. But let's say he reached over that three years a million people. And he healed 5,000. That's half of a percent. 99.5% didn't get healed. Let's increase the number to 10,000. 1%. Half of 1% or one, I don't know. Whatever that number is, you guys figure that out. It's small. But let's even do a little bit. Say he only talked to 100,000 people. Let's be realistic. How many people did he really get in front of? We know a couple of feedings he was in front of thousands. So he had a stadium full twice at least that we know of. So there's 40,000 or 50 depending on how many kids you have. And in that, he heals 5,000. That's still 5%. Say he, he, he ministered to 500,000 and he did 50,000 healings. It's not very much. 90% of the people walked away not healed. The first two, uh, 200 or 2,500 years of the biblical history doesn't mention any healings uh, physically whatsoever. You have to scour for the first 20, uh, 200, uh, 2,500 years. And then you get the Genesis, so write it down if you want to do some research. Genesis 12, 17 to 20, there might be a healing. We're not quite sure because it really doesn't say anything. But here's the story. Abram went to Egypt and said, Sarah, be my sister because you're hot and I don't want anybody to take you. And then what happened is Pharaoh goes, yeah, she is. 
She's going to be mine. And then there's like an ailment that he has, and then God, he tells him to release him, and he releases, and there might be a healing. Genesis 12, 17 to 20 might be the first physical healing in the Bible. 2,500 years have passed. Then, if you know your Bible, we go 124 chapters to the next possible healing. Not many so far. We go to Numbers chapter 12. Numbers chapter 12, and we get to Moses. So we got maybe a possible one with Abram, and now we're all the way to Moses? That's a long time before we see any physical healing in the Bible. And what happens is this. Moses has got a couple of complainers. Why are religious Christian folks complainers? That's something I don't get. But we got a lot of them. And Moses, his brother, and Miriam go into the, the, to the tent, and they, they meet God. And God's angry because they're complaining. Why'd you marry that lady? And, man, you're the only one that gets all the glory, and you're the only one that hears God. And what happens is they come out, and Miriam is white as snow with leprosy because she's a complainer. Women, are you hearing me? <laughs> Fortunately, the cloud is not here yet. It'll come in a couple of minutes. And guys are worse than women. They do it differently. I hear yes out there. And nudging her husband. So you see, the point is physical healings are rare. I get, I've seen physical healings myself. I've seen them in the church before. In this church. I get it. They're happening. What happens if God heals a thousand people in the world today? That's still not very many. There's 2.5, 2.7 billion Christians in a thousand. Let's go 10. Still not very many. We might get one in our county if we're lucky. But who tells it on the news? Nobody does. So we don't know. The point is physical healing is very rare. So we're talking physical or spiritual heal. Here's the thing. Here's the end all. Here's the trump card in this. One day all will be healed. On in heaven, one day all will be healed. How do I know? Not because I'm smart. Revelation talks about it, 21, read it. But at Revelation 4, 21, 4 says this, and he's describing true healing for everyone that calls Jesus Lord and Savior. Here's what true healing is. He will wipe every tear from their eye. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, for the older things have passed away. It's all good. So we'll all be healed one day in heaven, spiritually and physically. Praise God for that. But God's not healing on earth. He's not loving me enough to heal me. If it's God's will to heal all the people, Christians would never be sick. We wouldn't even have to mark it. There'd be no seats today because they're like, we're going to do a healing prayer today. And there'd be thousands of people coming out the walls. Because Christians would never be sick. If you claim as Jesus is Lord and Savior, God's will is to heal you, and everybody would be healed, and there'd be no sickness, and then there'd be no death. Because like, oh, I need a couple more days, Lord. No, oh, I need a couple more years. I know I'm 3,085. I need a few more years. I don't want to lose out. The Dodgers might win a World Series by then. Ooh, Sorry. I'll tell you what my car looks like next service, so. Here's the thing. Christians, God's business, God's not in the business of no sickness and no death. God's just the opposite. He wants to use the sickness, and he wants us all to die so that we can be resurrected with him. 
So he's not really into the thing, no sickness, no death, would miss the point, don't you think? His death and resurrection would be just a joke. I might as well get into the topper's line now. Be the first one there. It's almost 10. Listen, God can use our illnesses and our suffering. He's used all the suffering in my life, and he's used a bunch of suffering in your life for his kingdom. There's a lady that's in Agora that has done great things. Her name's Johnny. And she's got a ministry called Johnny and Friends. And listen, this young lady got in an accident as a young woman, and it took her into a huge depression because she was a quadriplegic. And then all of a sudden, she started getting some friends coming around and praying. And she got so excited the first year or two after that she was telling everybody, one day I'm going to run again. I'm going to run and I'm going to be everything that I always thought. I have a friend named Eric that we believe he was going to walk. Still in the wheelchair. I got a little bit of faith. But listen, this young lady, a couple of bouts of cancer. Still in a wheelchair, 45 years later, she's got a ministry that has radically transformed the way that we look at disability. She's touched hundreds, if not thousands, if not millions of people. She's reaching people for Christ. And if she was healed, she'd be on Oprah talking about healing and not this ministry that we've disregarded. He uses these type of things so that we can engage the world. So physical healing is not always God's will. Moms... Know their kids. Most of them are brats. I wasn't, by the way, but most of them were brats. Right, Mom? I was the biggest brat of all time. Trust me. But moms, my mom's like, Mom, can I have this? Can I have this, Mom? Can I have this? No, 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 no. And every 76th time, I wore it down enough. Yes! And then once you get on a roll, you keep asking because might, there might be a quicker yes now, right? But listen... Moms don't give a yes all the time. Can I have chocolate chips for breakfast? No. How about cotton candy? No. Can I take my bag of Halloween candy for lunch today? No. Actually, my parents would say, yeah, because I would burn all the energy there and drive the teachers crazy because they called and said, don't give them any sugar, please. That's no joke. I was pretty honoring. Anyways, the point is this. Moms, parents know not to give their kids, and so does God. God knows. Your, heal, your ailment could be used if you're willing to be used and open and let God judge it fairly. Verse 21, the beginning verse in Peter, it says, God called you to do good. God has called you wherever you're at in your life to do good. Everybody say, do good. God has called you to do good. That's what he wants no matter where you're at and what you've lost and how you've been uh, hurt or, or offended or, you know, Physically, mentally, emotionally abused. He wants you to do good. Even if it means suffering, just as Christ has suffered for you. Even if it means that you've got to suffer, he wants you to do good. Because that brings a testimony that the world needs to see. This isn't about me. This isn't about the church. This is about how we are to react. Then he says he never sinned, nor deceived. He didn't retaliate when he was insulted, nor threatened revenge. You hurt me, now I want revenge. But he says, I'm just going to put it in the lap of God and let you fairly judge. And then that comes to the verse that we've been trying to get to. The verse that really makes sense, and this is the one that God wants to do. So for the next 10 or 15 minutes, we're going to talk about spiritual healing. The man named Legion had maybe three to 6,000 demons inside of this man. 
And he was spiritually released and free from that. And then he took all of his wounds, all of his shackle scars, and all the things that the cutting and everything that he was doing to his body. It didn't say that his body was healed. He must have went in on stage and said, I was the guy that was healed naked in the tombs, the scary guy. Look at all these wounds and all the cuts on my face and the bruises. This is who I am, but in Jesus Christ, I'm alive and new and free. I'm healed spiritually. Here's what Christ says. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross. He personally took the sins of the world, past, present, and future, on his body to the cross. What a burden. What a burden. So that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. What a burden you put on the Lord. Make it personal and realize you put him on the cross. What a burden. He bore our sins, and it says, by his wounds we are healed. By his stripes we are healed. Physically? It's not what they're talking about. We go back to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, the suffering servant proclamation, this foretold about who Jesus was. We go back to Isaiah 53 and what was done on the cross. And Isaiah prophesies about who this suffering servant is, and he details what he's going to have to go through. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our inequities. He was punished that brought us peace. The punishment that brought us peace on him. And by his wounds we are healed. The punishment on him brought us peace. By his wounds. By what happened on the cross. We are healed. Not physically healed. Physical healment are rare, still alive. It's working and alive and can happen today. And I know there's a couple in here. My buddy Roger needs one. His back has gone out. And it's not like, oh, bad back. It's gone out. We need it. I'm sure there's 17 or 20 other ones in here that need healing. But the healing is, Jesus fought a spiritual war for you on that day. There's a war being made, and you couldn't see it. All you saw was a man bleeding on the cross, dying like a criminal. We didn't realize what was going to happen until three days later. He fought a spiritual battle, and he wins that spiritual war. And because of those wounds, we are healed spiritually and connected to the God of the Most High God. Somebody's alive. The word healing here is translated to both spiritual and physical. So let's not, when we look in the other languages, it talks about both spiritual and physical. But if you look at the text and the context around it, they're talking about a spiritual healing here. Isaiah 53 and second, or Peter chapter 2 makes it clear that spiritual healing is talking about sin and righteousness. I've got sin deep in my life. I've got this dark cloud over me, and I'm doing things by myself and alone that has got me away from God. And I need to live a righteous life, a right living. The Latin says live right. Righteousness. I've got to tap, step away from my darkness, and I've got to live in righteousness. It doesn't talk about sickness and disease in this verse. It's talking about being forgiven and saved and connected to the Most High God and living connected in Him and with Him from now until the end. I love to see physical healing. 
my sister uh, was in Mexico for several years, and one time when I was down, it was probably like nine or ten years ago, and I just, she had this burden, and she was just crying, going, I want to see healing, physical healing, like not in five months or five weeks when the PET scan comes back now. And it took me a couple of times to go in down there, and I'm like, I want that too. But then when I see it, and I've seen it, yeah, that was cool. Let's do some more. I'm an addict. I want more. And the truth is, God wants to heal, but in his purpose and in his will, he wants to use that. Jesus didn't die as a martyr. He died as a savior. A sinless sacrifice for our spiritual and eternal life. He died so that we can have a life everlasting. Not that we can have the greatest life on earth, but a life everlasting. He bore the weight of sin. Just think about your sin and what you did to put on the cross and then multiply it by 7 billion for generations. That's heavy. And all his goal is, is for you and I to be connected to the Father and his heart and his will. Stop sinning and live righteously. So how do we heal? If the EMT came today because someone got hurt and they looked at a wound, the first thing they would do is identify the wound. They would look at it and go, okay, man, we got a hematoma, we got a cut leg, we got something going on, and they're going to identify the wound. If you want to heal spiritually and you're stuck and you haven't moved in your relationship with God in months or years or decades, you need to identify what wound. I was wounded as a young kid. This hurt happened to me, and now I've got to let it go, and I've got to identify this hurt. And I've got the wrath of God. Here's some of the things. The, the seven deadly sins give us a start of what we might have. The, the wrath of God. A lot of us have wrath, anger that's inside of us because of what has happened. My ex-husband or my ex-wife, them. My parents, my kids, a relationship. My boss, see here. My boss is up there, by the way. Well, we got lust or gluttony or what? A lot of times we don't identify it because we're just lazy. Uh, the message was good, but next week, I'm going to sloth around another week into the, all this. I was going to say crap. I don't think you can say that on stage. So all this stuff. We got to first identify what it is. And so if you want to be healed, if something's in your head, identify what it is. The second thing is, then you've got to cleanse it. The guy comes in, the EMT, and he's got this big bottle of something, saline or hopefully something good. When they squirt it in there and stuff comes flying out and it's cleansed, Jesus' blood is the cleansing element that we have in our life that uh, helps our wounds be cleansed, especially the spiritual ones. All your spiritual wounds and all your spiritual demons and every dark place in your life, Jesus wants to take a drop of his blood and put it in your life and you will find cleansing like you've never had before. And then you'll have a reason to worship and clap and sing and cry out and dance for the glory of the Lord because he's now cleansed you and taken you out of darkness into the light. You're living in faith and you're not living in fear. Am I the only one fired up? He identifies my wound and then he cleanses it. And then you know what? God monitors. And he's not like this, Janet. 
Janet. He's, he's like, Janet, I'm excited. You've identified, and, and now you're dealing, and you're cleansing, and, and I'm going to monitor, and then he wants you to tell another person. Give them access to that wound and say, listen, I've got a wound. It's, it's, I've struggled with it. It happened at five, and now I've got to deal with it, and you give another person access to talk about it. Janet? Sorry, Janet. I'm picking on you today. Another person comes in and goes, how are you doing? And if you give an access, they ask tough questions. You look sad. You look like you lost your happiness. Here's the thing. Another verse that you should look. Luke 11, 6, 26 says this. If you get cleansed today or last week or 17 years ago, if you go back to that old place... It says that he brings seven of his friends. So if Legion comes back, he's bringing 21,000. If we continue to get healed and then go back to our old place, our old stomping ground, our old mud pit, what do you think you're going to get? Dirty again. And you're going to invite it all back. My wife's favorite verse says this. And here's the thing. Proverbs 3 and 5 are... Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, we all know. But do you know 7 and 8? Have you read 7 and 8 lately? Here's what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. We're putting this case before God. Trust in him with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding because you do not know what you're doing. Take that from a, a specialist like me. I don't know what I'm doing. Trust and do not depend upon your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you the path to take. If you're willing to work through some wounds today, some dark areas, he will give you a path, a way out, a place, so that your inequities, your transgressions, and your sins can be healed. But here's what it says. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away. Don't go back so you invite this back into your life. Some people are going to have to kill, uh, not kill, get rid of some friends in a very friendly way, not kill. This isn't a mafia class. <laughs> Wish I could just stay focused once. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and do not turn away and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing in your body and then you'll have strength in your bones to walk through the next days, the next weeks, and the next part of your life free healed spiritually cleansed and having someone watch over you and say Jeff how you doing with that I got so much love last week when I read that letter from my daughter now I got hundreds of people monitoring me and I love every minute of it because by his wounds I am spiritually healed and I have victory, and so do you if you're willing to take that challenge. You want to get into a, a place of light and glory? God has light and glory right now today. And it's not about salvation, saying a prayer. It's about bringing yourself before God and identifying, cleansing, and then saying, Lord, watch over me. I'm going to trust that you're a fair judge. 
Once you were like a sheep who wandered away, verse 25 says. You were like a sheep that wandered away and were focused on you and your own will. But now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. You have turned to the shepherd and now he is guarding and watching over you. Not in a negative way, but in a beautiful way. Worship with me, Janet. Celebrate, read, sing psalms. And, 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 and celebrate the glory because God is moving. Christ wants to spiritually heal all of us today. If you're willing to dump out your darkness, we'll have the janitorial staff take it all out. I pray for a physical healing today. We're not afraid of that either. God's will and his plan and his purpose. We'll take it. We'll celebrate it. But we really want to connect people's heart to God. This church is about healing hearts, healing souls, healing inside of us. So however we've been hurt at church, at home, in our job, through our neighbors, Jesus wants to heal. But is that enough for you? Is that enough for you? When I look to the cross, the question has to be, is this enough or has he not done enough work for you to be healed? By those wounds, we are healed. Now we're connected to Jesus Christ. prayer team up want to identify your wound want to cleanse your wound you can do it right now as we sing a song just bow your heads for a moment let's get back into that place is the cross enough or have you diminished it and put it in a box or you put it around your neck and say it's cute but it doesn't really work for me well I'm telling you you're the block it's not God and if you're here today and you want to see a spiritual healing, open up your heart, identify the wound, let the blood of Christ cleanse you, and come to the Lord and exalt with Him your glory. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today as a congregation, as a city, as a community, as a country, glorifying and exalting you above all things. You are our Savior. You are victory. You are the life that's everlasting. The first and last. The beginning and the end. And you are going to be there through thick and thin. And we stand in awe. And thank you, Almighty Jesus, for that. Lord, if there is someone here that doesn't know you but feels like they need to connect, the Spirit of God is here and it's chugging at your heart. He's asking you to say a prayer of salvation so that your sins can be forgiven and you can be connected and spiritually healed. If that's you today, please share this prayer with me. Join in, share with it, and let me know right now that you're willing to pray this prayer. If that's you, pray after me. Father, forgive me. Come into my heart. Come into my soul. Be my Lord and Savior. You died and you rose again for me, Lord, and I thank you for that. I'm clean. I'm cleansed, and I'm free, Father. 
Holy Spirit, come over me right now and teach me how to be a disciple of Jesus Christ and how to walk in your life for you and with you. In Jesus' name.